welcome to Sage and Spirit, a podcast designed to nourish your mind, body, soul, and spirit. I'm your host, Anna Claire Lottie, and I'm so grateful you're here. In this holistic wellness podcast, I'll be having candid conversations with others, exploring topics such as healing with plants, food as medicine, earth connection, spirituality, conscious entrepreneurship, and so much more. Thank you for being here and sharing in this journey with me. Hello, and welcome back to Sage and Spirit. Today, I'm bringing you a topic that I am very excited to share with you as it's something that is a little bit new to me. And I think that there's just so much potential for healing work in this arena. And so, of course, before I launch into that, uh, just a few quick reminders. First and foremost, all of the information shared on this podcast is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. I always highly recommend that you work with a skilled practitioner if you're looking to bring new herbs, supplements, or other protocols into your daily life, especially if you have a medical condition, if you're pregnant, nursing, or on any pharmaceutical medications. That being said, just one more quick reminder that we are still booking for our upcoming retreat this fall to the beautiful Sacred Valley of Peru, where we will be deepening our connection with the earth, learning how to heal with the plants that grow around us, and immersing ourselves into the culture of the Andean and Quero people. We have room for up to 10 participants on this trip. We will be journeying together November the 29th through December 8th of 2021. And at this moment of recording, we do still have six spaces remaining. So if you're interested, head on over to the trip website at www.dancingsagewellness.com slash retreats, where you'll find all of the trip details, the investment, and how to either ask more questions or reserve your spot. So we'd love to have you join us. If you haven't already noticed in listening to some of these other podcast recordings, Peru is a very, very special place that is near and dear to me. And I am just so honored and excited to share this beautiful land and culture with any of you who feel the call and feel like it's in alignment for you. Please reach out if you have any questions. You're always welcome to email me personally at info at dancingsagewellness.com. So on to today's episode. Here we are at episode number 13, and I am speaking with Denise Cooper, who is actually joining us today from Peru. Denise was born and raised in Kansas City here in the States, uh, but she's been living in the Sacred Valley of Peru since December of 2007. She has been leading international ayahuasca retreats and ceremonies with the sacred plant medicine of ayahuasca from the Amazon, Amazon jungle since 2009. And over the last 20 years, Denise has received training and certifications as a medicine woman and shamanic practitioner, a Reiki master, life coach, and breathwork healer with intensives in yoga, meditation, and fasting. She also has a bachelor's degree in psychology. Denise carries 
a really deep love for the earth. And she's also deeply devoted to the evolution and healing of humanity. She shares earth honoring teachings and really just helps to remind people of our kinship with nature. And I really appreciate so much um, all of these aspects and what Denise is bringing to the table. And today we're really focusing on talking about the healing modality of breath work. And so this is something I personally have only experienced um, once or twice in my life, um, but I also am starting to sign up for some more of these classes with Denise. I'm really excited to delve deeper into this realm, especially as we find ourselves in this pandemic that is so focused around our breathing, our respiratory health, and not only that, but also um, the emotions and the fear and everything that comes up with all of what we've been going through for this past time that we've all been navigating together. And um, just to interject a little bit, I'm not sure how many of you know this, but in Chinese medicine, the lungs are actually associated with the emotion of grief. And I, it seems to me very, very interesting that we have been going through this pandemic and experiencing so much grief for so many reasons that it's linked even more deeply to our lungs and how they function and how they carry us through this world. And it seems to me like this practice of breath work can really help to free us in a lot of ways to free us from trauma and grief and stress and all of these things on sort of an emotional or psychological or energetic level, but also to truly help us to breathe more easily in life and on, on a physical level as well. So I'm going to leave it to Denise to talk to us a little bit more about that. Um, but in this conversation today, we start off with talking about how Denise got to where she is now to leading these retreats and ceremonies and circles that she is leading how she listened to a dream and followed this premonition and really followed her heart to bring her from Kansas City to Alaska and then all the way to the Andes Mountains of Peru. And she talks a little bit about a book that you may want to take note of called The Body Keeps the Score. And this is a really beautiful book that tells us more about how we hold certain emotions and traumas in our bodies and how that plays out over time if they're not addressed. So Denise talks to us about how breath work can address some of these things that we hold deeply in our bodies that we may not even be consciously aware of. She mentions the amount of toxins that are actually expelled through our breath, which is completely mind-blowing, something that I did not realize that so much of what we breathe out is also the toxicity within that we're letting go of. And we just talk about these different practices, how she's worked with them, and all of the, the many myriad benefits that breath work really bring brings to the table. Um, we talk a little bit about spiritual bypassing, about coming undone in order to be fully rebuilt, and how a lot of us tend to 
really focus on holding things together um, and how that might serve us sometimes in the moment, um, but that also we really have to look at some of these deeper aspects of ourselves and of humanity and to look at our shadow bodies and to incorporate them more fully so that we understand where we're going and how we're getting there. So this podcast is a little different from maybe some of the other ones that you've heard. We really go deep. And I just have to say, I so enjoyed this conversation with Denise. I think that this information is very vital and crucial to where we are uh, as humanity, as a species on our planet right now. And it's really encouraging to me as well that there are practices like this to really help us navigate these times. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Hey, Denise, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. We were just talking before we started recording, and, and it's funny because we really kind of don't even know how we initially connected, but I'm sure it was one of those social media things somewhere along the way. And I remember just a few years ago, I came across your work that you do with breathwork and breathing and was really intrigued by that. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation today and to learning more about um, this practice and this, this healing modality. So I'd love to get started with maybe just a little bit of your story, sort of um, your background and maybe what led you to practicing and exploring the uh, breath work to begin with? Yeah, um, I guess I'll start. I was born and raised in Kansas City. That's always a good place to start. Where am I from originally? Um, and, um, you know, went to college, got a degree in psychology, and then just literally followed my heart wherever it took me. So I went to um, Alaska and I learned how to drive, um, big Greyhound buses and, um, give tours all over Alaska. And, and it was all because I had a premonition of dream of my grandma right after she died. And I was thinking about going to Alaska, but I was scared. I wasn't sure. I think it was like 25 and in the dream, she telepathically told me, go to Alaska, I'll be with you and you'll be fine. And so I went and spent six months there, learned how to drive a big bus. The, my teacher who was retired, um, a, like veteran grandpa type figure, he was like, Denise, you are the, one of the best um, drivers I've ever seen. And I was like, are you serious? This is my talent. This is my secret hidden talent. So, um, so anyways, you know, and then I hiked 1400 miles on the Appalachian trail and, um, then it eventually ended up living in Vermont for three years, working for a hiking company, that hiking company sent me to Peru and I'd wanted to go to Peru for six years. So I finally got to Peru and I got off the plane in Cusco and looked up at the Andes mountains. And I was like, oh my gosh, I remember these mountains. I've been here. My soul has been here a couple of times before. And um, yeah. And then that started this epic journey of my relationship with Peru. I feel like it's my soul home. I've lived here for 13 years now. And, um, you know, that led me eventually to ayahuasca. And then, um, yeah. And then 
that so breath work came in it's it's fairly it's a new practice for me actually where i got trained by david elliott he's um based out of la in new mexico and he's an amazing teacher um so like i think it was so i got officially trained in 2019 and i i had a year prior in 2018 um me and my husband had taken a road trip through the southwest of the united states and you know i got an intuitive message from my guides that told me i have a teacher in new mexico and i was like great well can you give me more information and of course there was nothing for like a year then finally i came across david and my guides were i was like oh maybe i should take that breathwork training and my guides literally in my like clear in my vision i saw all capitals and a million exclamation points yes like they were like do it now absolutely 100 go for it so in 2019 i received the four levels of training that he gives and and it was perfect because then as we all know 2020 came and the world was shut down and we couldn't hold our our primary work is to hold ayahuasca retreats in peru and ceremonies and so we couldn't do that and so we just went online virtual breath work and breath work is literally what personally got me through the pandemic um because i was using that tool like two to three times a week if not more mm -hmm. bawling my eyes out i was trapped in the united states at my parents house i couldn't get back home to peru because they closed their borders for nine months and my husband was in peru and so it was like wow. it was really traumatic so um so anyways so that is yeah and then leading breath work during the pandemic was also really healing for me and i know it helps support people too on their journey through it so mm. that is kind of it in a nutshell but how i got to breath work wow thank you so much for sharing that story um yeah, gosh, the past year, year and a half has been so intense and interesting for everyone across the globe. And what a blessing to have this kind of tucked away in your tool belt to to really come back to during you know such intense times and to have this practice to to kind of keep you tethered it sounds like um i know in my own experience you know thankfully i wasn't trapped anywhere or, or stuck or stranded um but certainly you know i went through a lot of different emotions and and like you mentioned you know earlier when we were talking um a lot of that is is still shifting around and you know we're still kind of figuring out what's next and i imagine that'll be you know sometime coming still so um i love the the idea of having these different practices that we can come back to to really just be sort of our our beacons in these storms and and to help us to find our way and stay on our on our path and i have to say your story i got chills just a couple of times i mean the very first when you said I just literally followed my heart like wow how powerful you know it's I feel like so many times a lot of us might have a tug in our heartstrings or feel like there's something we want to explore and maybe we talk ourselves out of it and it can take a lot of courage to really look at that and say you know what I'm just going to do it and to go on a premonition and and to be guided by your grandmother who had passed I me mean, what a beautiful story and it just led you on this path that slowly started unwinding and led you to all of these places and to where you are now and um I also literally got chills when you said 
that you stepped off the plane in Cusco and saw the Andes Mountains and knew that your soul had been there before because I literally have felt the exact same way. And I have literally used the exact same terminology or words and said, it's a soul home for me. And I'm still living here in the United States in North Carolina. Um, but I tell people every time I go to Peru, as cheesy as it sounds, I literally feel like I'm always picking up pieces of myself when I go to Peru. And I'm like somehow collecting these different aspects of myself. And it, it just feels like such a special and important place for me. So I just wanted to reflect that back because it, it really did speak to me because I have felt the exact same thing. So I love that you're living there now and so glad to hear that you've made it back home. And I'm sure that your husband and your pets are really glad to have you back after such a long journey away. Oh, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So as you've explored breath work, um, I would love if maybe you could just shine a light as to onto how, like, why would people want to explore breath work in the first place? Um, do you know there's certain benefits of breath work? Um, what would you say in that regard? Yeah. I mean, really the benefits of breath work are pretty much endless or infinite or amazing. Um, they, um, really, it can help with pretty much anything in my opinion. And it's something that we can all access at any time. Um, this type of breath work is a deep breathing and kind of like you're walking. It's as if you're walking at a brisk pace. So it's a, you know, it's not a shallow breath, of course, um, or it's not a relaxing breath because we're really actually, um, invoking the sympathetic nervous system. So we are really trying to get in there to the fight, flight, and freeze, and really stir up any traumas from the past. The body, you know, like there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. So the body, as we all know, really, I, I like to see it as like a, a tree, you know, how you can, um, if you cut down a tree, you can see all the different rings of its life cycle. And you can see when it, there's a drought, when there was a lot of rain, and it kind of gives some information of what the tree went through. So I feel like our bodies are the same way where they're this beautiful, um, like accounting system or, you know, system that lets us know things we have suppressed or, um, haven't processed completely. So, um, so really the benefits are that you, um, release stuck and stagnant emotions. So stuff like depression, anxiety, um, PTSD, um, you know, it can also help with addictions. Um, it really helps. I mean, you can go on a journey, like a shamanic journey. You can see visions, you can receive intuit intuitive insights. Um, it really takes you into a space where you can access information from your soul, from your intuition. So you don't necessarily have to rely on a teacher or you know, a guru or somebody specialized in something, you can really tune into, you know, like you could even ask a question, like, which direction should I go in my business or where should I move? Or, you know, should I go this path or that path and just breathe on it? And maybe you won't get an answer right away. Maybe it could potentially take a few times, but you can get into that space where you can really tune into yourself and your higher, your essence, your true self. And so that's also too what I love because all the modalities that I either teach or use myself, I really um, 
always want people to feel like they are their own inner, they are their master. They can access their inner guru. Um, I think kind of the time of putting teachers or gurus on a pedestal is over and that we're all really being called to um, be in direct connection with our spirit. So, um, so yeah, so really it can help with pretty much anything. Um, 70% of the toxins are released out of our breath. So, you know, it can help reduce inflammation in the body. I mean, it really connects to the whole mind, body, spirit. Um, and so, you know, if you heal things on the spiritual plane, it really, it filters immediately down to the physical. So, um, you know, so I see it as a tool that's really useful in all, in many different ways and ways I don't even fully understand. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like it. I mean, you basically have touched every, um, body system and, and sort of physiological process and men, you know, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, um, it sounds really amazing. And I love that through these practices, you know, I think it's so interesting because I've heard someone say before, no one actually teaches us how to breathe. And so, you know, we're blessed with a body that knows how to breathe on its own. So physiologically, normally that's going to happen for us unless we have some sort of impediment or health, you know, concern that's keeping that from happening the way that it should. But nobody, you know, we don't have classes when we're young that tell us different ways to breathe or how to breathe for, you know, our best health or wellness or anything like that. So to have some sort of framework to really, you know, it sounds like maybe you're going into these breathwork journeys or sessions, um, maybe with intention or like you said, with questions, maybe you come with questions sometimes and, or looking for clarity on certain situations. So it's almost like, kind of sounds like this Oracle of sorts where really, like you mentioned, we're just getting in touch with our own essences or maybe our guides, if people are working with guides and that sort of thing. Um, so it just sounds really beautiful. And I'm wondering, is this sort of work something that anyone and everyone can engage in? Is it, um, how accessible is it for people? Yeah. Um, for the most part, it's, it's, I think pretty much anyone can do it. There are, there can always be exceptions. And of course, like if anybody has some health condition, especially with heart and lungs to consult their doctor. Um, but you know, and, and it can bring up, definitely can dredge up trauma. So if, if people, if they suffered really severe trauma or childhood trauma, um, they, they might want to make sure that they're really resourced. Like maybe that's a therapist, or maybe that's the breathwork facilitator or, um, friends, family, some sort of support system so that if something big comes up, they can, they can process it, integrate it, work through it. So, so, I mean, you know, it's a little bit different for everyone, but in general, I think most people can do this. Like if you are healthy enough to go for somewhat of a brisk walk, then, you know, then you can do this and it's all done lying down this particular breath work it's done lying down. So, you know, sometimes every once in a while people will say like, Oh, what, um, 
you know, what if I faint? And it's like, well, you're already on the ground, so you'll be, you'll be okay. And <laughs> not too far to fall. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna hurt yourself. And you got you know pillows around. You know, you'll just maybe black out for a little bit. But in general, I I don't. At least people that come to my circles, I haven't had anybody tell me they've passed out. But it could potentially happen. Um, but yeah, and sometimes people will get like their hands or feet will tighten. Um, their jaw could tighten. And that's just, you know, on a, on a um, spiritual level, that's just some constriction around the heart or speaking your truth, having a difficult conversation. Um, and then on the physical level, it's your body's taking in a lot more oxygen than it's used to. So, so sometimes that can happen. And again, it's not every time, but those are those are some things. And, and the thing too, is you are literally, I, I mean, I set a pace for the breath work, but each person really is in control of how deep and how fast they breathe. And so if for some reason it does get, if you get too much vibration or tingling in your body, you can always back off of it. If you want to, if you need to, and you can always even go back to a normal breath. So um, so there is some control there, which, you know, a lot of people do appreciate that. <laughs> right. I know. Um, I think definitely in our society, just like you're saying, a lot of us do appreciate having some sort of control over, um, you know, our surroundings and what's going on around us. And I find it really interesting because a lot of what you're saying um, and describing about this process, it sounds very similar to me with some certain um, like plant medicine ceremonies and shamanic journeying, how you can like you're really altered. Um, although in this case, you you can undo it in the moment if you need to. Like you said, you can you can back off on the breath, whereas like once you've maybe drank medicine of some sort, um, there's there's kind of no return um, in those situations. You just kind of have to keep going through that portal, so to speak. Um, but I want to back up a little bit too. I think it's really interesting how you mentioned that it can bring up trauma and that it's really important to know um, whether you have the skills to deal with that yourself or if you want to have you know, a trusted one or a loved one nearby that can maybe help you through some of the tougher aspects or parts that you may go through or you know, a practitioner, a facilitator that can help with that, obviously. And um, you know, a lot of times that stuff comes up for us and, and it's hard to look at. And so it's so interesting to me how this could be related to the breath, how breathing in a particular way could bring up these things for us. And so I think a lot of times we don't realize how inter interconnected the breath is with so much that we do. Um, it's only really been in recent years that I've noticed how often I hold my breath. Mm -hmm. And I would have never, you know, if somebody had asked me in the past, do you just ever hold your breath? I would be like, well, no, why would I do that? But sometimes, you know, if I'm feeling particularly stressed or if I'm in the car and like traffic or something, I've started to become more aware of my breathing patterns and notice if I'm holding that breath. Um, so I, and you mentioned the book, The Body Keeps the Score, which I still I don't even know why I haven't actually read the book yet. I have it on my Kindle right now as a sample, just like waiting for me. I don't know if I'm just like waiting for the right time, but I've heard of this book so much over the years. And it talks about like this somatic experiencing and how we hold traumas in the body over time and how even if it starts as something maybe even minor, but then over time, it, it's sort of 
can potentially snowball and become more and more of a physical manifestation from something that happened on maybe a more energetic or certainly it could be a physical level, but however time that can really get solidified in our bodies in this way. So to work with the breath and to be able to sort of help to dredge some of that up um, sounds like a really interesting way to work through some of those things that we all experience on some level or another. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing too, is I really believe every single person on this planet has had trauma because trauma, um, according to that book is defined as anytime we have felt helpless, hopeless, or out of control. And everybody's felt that at some time, everyone. Mm -hmm. And I even think that birth is traumatic. We don't remember it because we're babies and because huge amounts of DMT are coursing through us as we're right. born. But, um, but you know, that's traumatic too. And so, so the thing is, is that I think everyone has experienced trauma of some kind. There's some bigger traumas like wars, car accidents, surgeries, um, physical or sexual abuse. Um, you know, some of, some of the, you know, that kind of stuff is really traumatic, really big, mm -hmm. but then also having a parent who is emotionally unavailable is traumatic. You know, um, having somebody tell you on the playground, you're fat, you're stupid. That's traumatic. Um, you know, feeling maybe like as a child, when we were five years old, somebody, um, you know, like a, maybe even a dog scared us and we, we hunched our shoulders or we got nipped at by a dog to a five-year-old in that developmental stage that they're in, that's traumatic. And so, so sometimes the body just hasn't been able to release that. It hasn't been able to digest it or process it, or it creates a pattern to where anytime there's a dog, we tense up and we hunch our shoulders and we, our body starts to get into the same pattern. So um, yeah, the breath is amazing. And I really see it like I feel like it is, um, you know, like when we were created by creator that it was like, okay, I'm going to give them something that they can always connect to their higher self, to their pure essence, to spirit. And it's going to be their breath. And they will have that always with them. Cause we do have that always with us. Whereas, you know, we might not have other tools at the time mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe we, we were feeling stressed about flying and we're at the airport. We can't, maybe yoga is a great tool, but we don't feel comfortable doing yoga at the airport, but we could just take some deep cleansing breaths in our seat and nobody would know the difference. So mm -hmm. I, I really feel like it's this built in intelligent tool of our body. And yeah. And, and when we are stressed, like you mentioned, it's like you immediately want to go to shallow breathing it, subconsciously. And mm -hmm. I've caught myself, you know, during the last year and a half, like, okay, just take a deep breath. And it actually kind of feels painful the first breath or two. But then once I get to the third breath, it's like, okay, everything's mm. starting to relax in my body. And, you know, my nervous system is starting to get back into the sympathetic or the parasympathetic and it's starting to chill out. So yeah, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. That's really fascinating. And, um, you know, when you say it almost takes like a couple of breaths to really get into it, it just makes me think that it, it's possible. It could be this like fear of letting go. Um, because I think I, I know I've experienced that sort of sensation and I have 
sort of this pattern of holding on to tension in my neck and shoulders. And recently it really wasn't serving me well. And I ended up finding myself at the chiropractor because I really needed some, some help with like getting out of this pattern where I couldn't even move my head essentially. And, um, you know, my chiropractor actually sort of showed me different stances with human postures and the way that most of us hold ourselves these days, especially if we're on computers or smartphones a lot. And it just really actually completely realigns so much in our bodies or disaligns, you know, depending. Um, I don't even know if that's a word, but you, you get the point. <laughs> like it, it throws things out of alignment potentially. And, and what my chiropractor mentioned was that sometimes we're sort of trained, maybe not so much on purpose, but we're sort of trained to inhale tension um, because we're like, so like focused on it somehow, or like, even if we're in a yoga class, it'll be like, you know, inhale, hold it and then let it go. And it's like, your out breath is like your one chance to like, let go of any tension that you're holding on to. But his suggestion was that the inhale should really be about inhaling calm and confidence and letting it kind of fill your body and then exhaling anything that's kind of left over after that. And I really loved that just slight shift in looking at things. And not that I had necessarily looked at an inhale breath as inhaling tension before, but I, I think that definitely sometimes I have in myself been able to let more go when I exhale and not really thought about it so much on the inhale. And he kind of mimicked to me, like how that looks in the body and the way that the body postures itself and holds itself based on how we're breathing yeah. and, and what that feels like and looks like coming in and going out. And so I'm just like, this has all happened in just the past couple of weeks. And so it's all sort of painting this, this bigger picture for me. And I, it sounds like a lot of what you're mentioning is really the mindfulness around our breathing patterns. And so kind of combining that with the knowledge or practice of certain breath works, you know, mm -hmm. certain breathing patterns, or I'm not sure exactly how you refer to them. Um, but yeah, just kind of like being aware of whether we're holding our breath or of how deeply or how shallow you know, how shallowly we may be breathing. Um, so a lot of that is really just kind of paying attention to that. It seems like to me. Yeah, absolutely. And the breath, it automatically, as I think many people know, um, brings us into the present moment and that's where our power is. Right. And so, so when we're the mind, the ego wants to go to the past and fear of the future, like, so pain of the past, fear of the future. And so the worry, the anxiety, the depression, all the things. And so, um, bringing our awareness to our breath automatically brings us into the present. And then that's where we can make decisions that are actually beneficial. So mm -hmm. it, and it intellectually, it's all like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I understand. But then when you're in the moment, when you're having, you know, a really intense moment, maybe your kids, if you have kids are having meltdowns, you're feeling like you're having a meltdown and, <laughs> you know, then making a sound decision is really hard. But if we can just take even three to five deep breaths, it can give us clarity because another biological thing that happens that they're really studying these days is that when we are in fight, flight, and freeze, our brain literally gets into the amygdala. So the, the reptilian brain, that's the brain that is only concerned with keeping us alive. It is mm -hmm primal. It is all about survival. 
So when we are in fight, flight and freeze, it is like almost kind of like, you know, being possessed by something else. Like we're not using our prefrontal cortex. We're not using our reasoning. We're just like, I've got to stay alive at all costs. So oftentimes with stressful things in our lives, we get back into that, that part of the brain and then we can't make sound decisions. And so if we can take a couple of deep breaths, it literally changes the biochemistry, the biology that we're we're in and then our prefrontal cortex our executive functioning center of the brain can get back online and be like oh no actually you want to go this way not that way or you want to do this not that you know and you then you can make a sound solid decision but otherwise when we're really stressed out and really in fight flight and freeze we don't we just make survival decisions so, yeah. So, I mean, it's fascinating because now science is really exploring some of this stuff that it really helps complete the picture and maybe intuitively we can feel something and it, and we can feel that, but it just, it's nice to have some of these other things. So it's like, oh, okay, I'm not crazy or I'm not, you know, wanting to make bad decisions. It's just because I'm, I'm so stressed out that I, I'm not thinking clearly, literally. Wow. Yeah. And you know, that just makes me wonder too. I I hear so many people these days and clients that come to me that are searching for ways to um, deal with what they're calling brain fog. And, you know, a lot of times that can come from many different sources and it can, it can be some physical stuff going on. Um, But also just our world these days, there's so much going on. There's so much chaos and confusion and division and all these different things that were, it's almost like a computer trying to run all these different programs at one time. And it just gets like bogged down and won't do anything because there's too many things happening, you know? And so I can't help but wonder if it's just, you know, some combination of all of these daily distractions and stressors and goings on and on worries and fears about the world that is contributing to sort of this um, epidemic of sorts with brain fog and people who are experiencing a decline in mental clarity or just feel like, you know, I have some people that come to me and say, I don't even know how to make a decision and I'm too scared and I don't even know what I'm scared of, you know, and it's like they don't know how to identify that. They they just know that they're in it and they're stuck in it and, and that they're looking for a way out because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much, especially in the pandemic, there's been so much chaos, so much static, Mm. and it is hard to even hear our own intuition. Like, because there's just the, it's like the, the airwaves, the ethers, the energy we're all soaking in is just permeated with fear. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's so important to get back to that center and, and really try to step away from the brain fog, the static, the, um, you know, the anxiety, the ego mind that just, you know, is thinking about all, what if, what if this, what if that? So yeah, it's a real, it's a real problem these days for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and to go back to, to what you're saying with 70%, you said 70%, right. Of toxins are, are, um, sort of released through the breath. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Wow. So I had, I had no idea, you know, I know about the different pathways in the body and the skin and the liver and the kidneys and, and all the processes that they go through. Um, but I didn't realize that 70% of our toxins are exhaled through the breath. So that really says a lot and speaks a lot too, I think, to how breath work could help to facilitate some of this stuck stagnant energy, whether it's on, you know, a physical level, mental, spiritual, whatever. Um, and I don't know if you remember this, but I think that we had had a Facebook message conversation or something a while back. And you had mentioned something about yawning being a way to purge energy. And that was something that I had experienced in a circle myself before, but I had no, I was like, I don't know what was wrong with me. I just yawned the whole time. And um, I wonder if maybe you could speak to that a little bit since we're talking about breath work and, and yawning, you know, there's a lot of reasons again, that people may be yawning. They could be tired. It could be an oxygen sort of situation, um, you know, but looking at it in this context and, and linking it with breath work and with medicine work and with letting go of things. Um, do you have any other thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, so many things can be a purge and a release and, um, and yawning. Yeah, it can be, it can be a way to that. We're, we're getting that deeper breath and we're, you know, like inhaling deeper going, allowing the breath to penetrate more areas of our body. Um, and I mean, I don't have a ton to say about yawning, but, but I do have like in that kind of same vein is, um, in the breath work, we really, I, I make space for people to make a loud noise, to scream, to howl, to roar, to laugh, to cry, to sob. I mean, to really, go for it and to really allow yourself to feel it to the fullest. And, um, you know, I have people grab a pillow and if they want to scream at full blast, they can for as long as they need to, because there's so much that, you know, as, as we go along in life and, and we're conditioned to just keep everything bottled up and keep everything in and, you know, like, um, even sneezing in public is somewhat like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, excuse me, you know, and <laughs> right. it's just like, oh my God, it's just a normal body function. You just sneezed. And well, especially these days too, people are like, oh no, are you sick? Should I get away from you? <laughs> You're like, it's allergies. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so, I mean, um, I definitely think like allowing us as adults to express and to feel and to kind of come undone in order to be rebuilt in a more sound structure is really important because um, we just don't create the space to feel. We don't create the space to have shame or guilt. Um, there's, you know, it's like, oh, just keep that tucked away. Oh, that's too ugly. That's too, um, you know, not pretty. Uh, that makes others feel uncomfortable. So let's just not feel that. But it's, but that's what I really want to create is in our ceremonies and in our breathwork circles and anytime like one-to-one everything, I want people to feel safe and that there's actually a place for your shame. There's actually a place for your guilt that you can, um, you can say or feel those things that are supposedly too taboo. Um, and so it's really important for me that 
people have that space. And, you know, I was born, I was raised in a born again, Christian evangelical fundamentalist religion. And it was so stifling and so rigid. And there was nowhere that we could shame just you could you couldn't have shame but it's like well we all have shame and actually this religion is making me feel ashamed <laughs> because you're telling me I'm wrong I'm a sinner I'm bad I'm horrible everything that I do is a sin and so so it's creating shame so the thing is is that I really have a deep desire and prayer to always create safe spaces where people can experience some of those really awful feeling emotions so that they can release them and let them go and be free. And then just to add on to that, my sister, she killed herself eight years ago. And that's also really important for me to talk about and always create space for where I don't want people who feel suicidal or who have mental emotional health issues to feel like there's no place to go or that they won't be heard or understood because it doesn't have to end that way. You know, like um, it, I want, I want safe spaces for people to really feel their true emotions um, because I've been impacted by a loved one, you know, who didn't feel like she had outlets that where she, people could really see her and understand her. Mm -hmm. So that's really an important thing for me to bring to everything. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and, you know, I think that that what you're saying, too, about how we grow up and, and a lot of us grow up in these different um, mentalities or situations where there is no space for these different emotions. And and then the question becomes, if there's no space for them, yet we're going to feel them because we're human, then where do they go? And then that just takes us back to they get they get stored in our tissues, in our DNA and our cellular memory. And literally, even even the science is like coming back around and backing it up now that that we have certain traumas that can be passed down through our lineages and through our bloodlines. And if we don't, you know, sort of look them in the face and figure out a way to work through them to sort of clear some of this this trauma that's happened, um, then we also sort of risk passing that down, whether it's through our own children, if we have them, or just through the people that we interact with and, and share perspectives with and that sort of thing. And in the collective as well, because we're all tapped into that, whether we want to be or not, whether we realize it or not, we're all going to feel that on some level. It's like the ripple effect, right? So I think that's such an, such an important point that you bring up. And I really appreciate that you have um, felt this call that you, and that you've, that you've acted upon it and that you're creating this safe space for people because so often that's really what holds us back is feeling like we don't have anywhere that we can really be ourselves or really express what we're feeling because maybe people will think of us differently or or you know ban us or whatever else and so kind of what we were talking about before we started recording is is like the shadow aspect too and if all these shadows continue to build and build and and we're not shining a light on them then they they can be really overwhelming and yeah. and affect us on more on more levels and in more ways than than we really can realize i think sometimes and so to really 
you know, it takes courage to to go to these places, to find the dark places within ourselves and to really look them in the face and accept that for ourselves. And I think that's maybe the first part is like, we have this need for others to accept us. Um, but if it's something that we can't even accept within ourselves, that's that's kind of a big ask, you know? Like we need to be able to look at these places within ourselves and, and it can be challenging and it can be really difficult. And um, in my own experience, at least when I've been able to look at some of these aspects of myself or working on different things in my life, um, I notice that when I get on the other side of it, I feel a heck of a lot better. <laughs> yeah. And, and like you said, just the feeling of being free, um, because I think so many of us, we're sort of programmed in this way, just, just by the expectations of society to hold it all together and to like, you know, model the perfect behavior. And especially if people are in leadership roles or being a parent or anything like that, where they feel like, you know, I have to maintain this certain image or persona or personality in order to be accepted or even just to function in society. Because who, you know, there's not a lot of people that really appreciate public meltdowns, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's kind of frowned upon a lot of, and, you know, in a lot of places. Um, so to be able to say, yeah, you can break down here. You can just lose your shit and it's okay. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's huge. And sometimes that's all people need is just to be able to let it out and let it go. And it sounds like all these different ways that you're talking about, whether it's yawning or moving or breathing in a particular way, it's really about facilitating the movement of these energies and these, um, you know, entities in some ways that we take on just by like holding on to all this stuff through yeah. all the years of our lives. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's just also too, I kind of feel like if, if there's no place for people to go process their shame or their guilt or their anger or any other emotion that's been labeled as taboo, then where do, yeah, where do they go? And so, so that, and that's the thing too, is, you know, in our retreats, I break the ice with saying that, like, um, you know, I don't want to see your best version of you. I don't want to see your mask of, um, you know, the good girl or the people pleaser or, you know, the, the, you know, just the perfect person, um, girl or guy. Um, it's just, I, I want to see the, where you struggle, where your pain points are, where you're lost and confused and stuck. That's where, that's where we want to help you. And because, yeah, it's like, what's the point if we're all just going to pretend everything's great. And, and also too, like spiritual bypassing. Oh my gosh. Like, mm. you know, like I have a definite, um, history of, um, bypassing and sugarcoating and glossing over because that's how I, what was modeled to me growing up. And then I moved into spiritual bypassing when I really started on my spiritual path of like, Oh, just transmute it. And it's like, actually, you have to actually feel it to transmute it. Like, so <laughs> I would be like, I'm just going to transmute that. So whoopity woo, you know, wave my magic wand. I, you know, transmuted it. And it's like, no, you just denied it and minimized it. You didn't mm. transmute it. And like, just buried it maybe a little deeper. <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, it's a learning and uh, a process to go through. But now that I understand and see that I'm like, okay, let's actually, I actually know what works now. So let's do that. Let's, you know, there's that 
that famous saying, like, you got to feel it to heal it. And I really believe there's so much validity to that. And so it's, it's the somatic experiences like breath work or movement or whatever, they do take us into that space where we're in the experience. We're feeling it maybe perhaps again, maybe at a lesser degree, but we're in the experience instead of watching it from outside of ourselves. And so we're going back into that that trauma, you know, like to a degree. And then we're like, oh man, that really hurt, or I'm enraged, or whatever. And it's and then it's just accepting those feelings and not not um judging them, you know, like, oh, I shouldn't feel this way, you know, because anger is gonna make me sick and you know, it's it wrecks havoc on the body, which it does. I do agree with that, but let's just give yourself some space. Maybe it's a few weeks, maybe it's a few months. Maybe it's a year or two that you are going to feel some anger and rage or dip back into that because you've experienced deep betrayal. Um, Let's just be okay with that. And let's just like organically let your body and emotions process it. And then let's just, um, yeah, add in some love, add in some compassion, add in some self-forgiveness you know, and then maybe forgive others too, but, oh, I don't know how to forgive others. Okay. Well, that's fine. Let's just go back to self, you know, compassion for self for the moment and whatever the person can do, because, you know, healing's not linear. It's very mm-hmm. up and down and all around. And so, you know, it's just, yeah, the, the judgment of how we feel and saying like, this emotion's bad, that emotion's taboo. It's just, it doesn't do us any good because we we're complex nuanced human beings that have emotions and that's part of our beauty and we just need to embrace and accept it. Mm. Mm, Yeah. I love that. That's such a great point. Um, and I love too how you mentioned that you have to sort of come undone to be rebuilt. And I think that a lot of times if people don't have these outlets or these ways to express some of the the tougher or deeper emotions, um, then when it does finally come out, it, it can be even bigger and maybe more um, of a, you know, sort of huge kind of situation that might come to light. Um, I know I worked with a teacher one time who said, you know, you you seem like you're always just very collected and you're always smiling. And, but what happens when you get mad? Do you allow yourself to get mad? And she was like, I think maybe you need to work with shark medicine. She had recommended shark medicine for me at the time. And she was like, you need to find your fangs and you need to find out when and where to use them because, you know, and, and I grew up in the South, I grew up in South Carolina and there's definitely what you were talking about, sort of this, like, okay, now be the good girl, be the little Southern good girl, say yes, ma'am. And no, ma'am. And, you know, it wasn't that my family or the people around us, there, there was no ill intent in saying any of this. It's just sort of the culture, you know, and, and, of course, it's nice to have good manners and we should always treat people with respect and kindness and all of these things. Um, but I think that sometimes it gets conveyed in this way where it's like, okay, I always have to be good and I always need a smile and I shouldn't talk unless somebody talks to me first and I need to make sure I'm polite. And there's like this huge like checklist of 800 things you have to do when you interact with anybody around you. And that in itself is like, holy cow, that's overwhelming. Yeah. So to then like take that on and, you know, 
So I think that a lot of times people will just kind of grin through things, grin and bear it, grin and bear it, right? And then all of a sudden there's like this explosion because they just can't hold it all anymore. Yeah. And, and it's also too, just allowing people to authentically feel whatever they feel, you know? And, and so it's, it's um, giving even space for people to feel like maybe if they need to make a decision about something like, you know, you can get back to me, let me know. Mm-hmm. And and it is this thing of unconsciously parents will condition a child to deny their inner knowing and to deny their feelings. And so then as adults, we just keep on perpetuating that and build a mask and, oh, everything's fine. And that's no big deal when it is a big deal, but we just gloss through it and get through the day and we just want to pay the bills. And, and then it's like, is that even really living? No. You know, so it's, so then it's, it's just like allowing people, yeah, the space to just feel what they feel and to really tune into their heart and just take a minute to be like, actually, you know, that just doesn't feel good to me right now. Or, um, I feel really sad, or I feel like, you know, you, you betrayed a trust with me. And, and, and so, yeah, there's just so much that we gloss over and we don't allow ourselves to feel. So, yeah. And then yeah, it allows and- children to hide and mm-hmm. to, yeah, I mean, it, it turns into a whole thing. <laughs> and then it's like we, in in some ways, it's harder to even really know who we truly are because of all these different things that we've suppressed, whether it's consciously or not, you know, it's like, well, who am I if I don't feel this or who am I, if I do feel this and maybe a lot of times, you know, sort of what you're saying with speaking with someone about a betrayal or something along those lines. I, I think that maybe sometimes we're so concerned about offending someone else or making someone else feel bad that we do, you know, we'll just agree to do something Mm -hmm. because we feel like that's, that's the answer they're looking for. And maybe in the moment they're stressed and don't have, don't feel like they have the space to really think about the decision, like you were saying. Um, And so it's just like, okay, yeah, sure. And then the time comes around and they're like, oh man, I really don't even, why did I say yes? You know? And, And it's like that pressure of just being on the spot and not having the space to really feel into that decision-making part of ourselves. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And we, and also too, you know, we're hardwired to want love and belonging to be accepted by our parents and our family and our friends. And so, you know, even going to school and, you know, like the popular thing is to wear white guest jeans or something. (laughs) I remember those days. (laughs) It's like, so it's like, then you just, you know, tune into that or like maybe, yeah, I mean, denial of self happens because we want to be liked and it happens even as adults Mm -hmm. where we're like, oh, well, I don't want them to talk about me or I don't want to be rejected by them. I want to be accepted and liked by them. And so we deny and betray self in order to be loved. And it's, it is definitely a practice of like, am I really doing this because I truly feel the yes within me, or am I doing it because I want to be liked? And, and that's just a question I think everyone should ask themselves Mm -hmm. um, often because we all do it because we want to be loved and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's, but it's, and also sometimes we don't want conflict, you know, then that'll lead to a conflict or a disagreement. And then we have to figure that out. But then it's like, you know, if you don't hold healthy, loving boundaries for yourself, then 
it's going to deplete you. It's going to wreak havoc. And oftentimes, if you feel a true no in your heart and you say that to another person, and maybe it's like your sister, your best friend, and they're really upset, but it will teach them something too. And if they're mature enough, they can also get the medicine from that as well. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, it can be really tough for sure. Yeah. An ongoing practice, no doubt. I had a teacher once that said, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a hell no. So it's like, if you feel into something, you're like, well, you know, I don't know, maybe then it's like, that's not a hell yes. <laughs> you know, that's there's clearly, and you know, maybe it's not always that cut and dry. There's always room for, for gray area, of course, but it, it helped me to kind of see things in a different way because I definitely have um, been in many a situation where I've just agreed to go somewhere or be a part of a social event or whatever the case may be taking on more responsibility because I wanted to prove I could, you know, whatever. Um, and then later I've maybe even been resentful about it and been, but then it, it comes back to me and like, well, then why did I even agree to that in the first place? Right. Um, but it was because I needed to be seen in a particular light or whatever. Right. Um, so it is, it's like this, it's a practice and it's, it's, um, learning it's learning more about ourselves on a daily basis you know because we're always changing the world around us is always changing how we interact is always changing so it's not some static thing it's always something that that we just continue to do just like if people get up and do you know breath work or yoga or make coffee every morning it's a ritual right and so we just take even if it's five minutes to check in or since I've been going to the chiropractor, I've been checking in with myself as much as possible to remember to like roll my shoulders back and down and, you know, like all these different things. Um, so you've mentioned um, a lot, this idea of kind of the good girl and, and how a lot of us, probably everyone at some point sort of hides behind a mask. And um, I think that I remember seeing that you were teaching a class around this. I don't know if you've taught it yet or if it's still on the way, but I didn't know if maybe you wanted to speak to that a little bit. Yeah, um, I yeah, it's a four month class currently and it's almost finished up. So it's already launched and we're entering into our last month and it's called Unmask the Good Girl. And it's mm. like it's kind of a love story, a love note to my inner child, um, because it's, it's something very people pleasing the good girl, deeply ingrained conditioning within me, you know, Midwestern, very similar to Southern, um, a little bit different, but same stuff. And, and so I will be launching it again in next spring, most likely. So I do see it as a yearly thing I will launch because um, and, and also to say like you can also be a good boy too. It can go mm -hmm. all genders. And, um, but for me, I just felt like creating a space for people that identify as women. And, um, but yeah, it's really, it's this um, journey that I take um, the women through where we really go through unmasking ourselves. It's, it's done through breath work and then integration calls and private one-on-one -on -one, um, sessions with me where we go through this unmasking and really just get real and raw and true and honest with ourselves. Just get honest. We don't need to sugarcoat. And so we go through grief and sadness. We go through anger and rage. Um, we go through shame, shadow, and judgment. 
And then we start to build, once we kind of excavate some of those, you know, gnarly (laughs) feeling emotions, then we start to kind of bring in like, what do I really want? What's my true essence? What's my superpower? What's my vision for my life now? So then it's kind of like trying to get other people's energy out of our space, you know, our conditionings, our school, our parents, our culture, all those things. And then, and then coming into our own energy and, and being like, yeah, I really want to do this. I, you know, I really am passionate about that and I, I want to pursue it, or I want to leave my soul sucking job or my soul sucking relationship or my codependent relationship with my parents or whatever it is. And then really just pursue what you want in your life. And so um, it's something that I've, many women have told me like, oh my God, that, that looks amazing. I want to do it the next round because I think this affects so many people and mm-hmm. it's, you know, like uh, it's refreshing to find that freedom of like, yeah, I can have boundaries. And that's another thing too. Like I was not taught boundaries growing up because self-sacrifice um, you are godly. If you put other people's needs first, like that's the right thing to do, but you can't put your own needs. I mean, and it's so backwards because, you know, we have to have energy and sustenance to be able to give to other people. Like if we are, our well is dry, then we have nothing to give. So, so it's this whole thing of like taking some of these misconceptions that we were taught and, you know, realizing I have to put myself first. It is not selfish to fill my cup up and to do my daily practice of meditation or yoga or daily walks or whatever it is first. And, and then I can give to my family and friends and work, but it's like, so much of it is like work is first school is first other people are first you know all these other things and it's just like okay well what about me and then how do i feel and it's like yeah we've we've really lost touch with ourselves and so yeah it's a beautiful program that um i really love and um it's also it continues to heal my inner good girl cuz um <laughs> she she's still pretty active in there and <laughs> You know, and so, and it's fun because like, I'm really redefining, you know, through this whole pandemic, I'm redefining myself, finding deeper of my true essence. And I had a dream the other night where I really felt my true essence and it actually scared me. And I was like, Ooh, wow. And then I could feel the inner good girl, like, oh, but if you really step into your power, then, you know, your parents won't love you. And I was like, oh my God, you're still there. And so, I mean, like, and it's not about rejecting her. Um, of course it's about embracing her, loving her, but I was like, man, after all this work, I can still feel her like clinging on to like, no, but we have to fit the mold our parents created. And I'm like, no, we don't have to do that. Um, they're still going to love you and you can still step into your true essence. So it's, it's pretty, so it's wild to me because I feel like I've come so far and I'm like, wow, she's still really active. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's like the whole um, analogy of the onion, right? Like we like continuously peel back these layers. And I think that the onion of life is like the biggest onion ever because there's so many layers and, you know, it's, 
also the the same visualization of life as a spiral and a lot of times we think that we've moved through something only to come back to it in a different form or in a different situation later in life and that's really uh, a test sometimes maybe to see if we have actually worked through those whatever they are obstacles or emotions um but we will continue to to deal with those things until we do finally kind of clear away all of that debris and you know if we live years and years we have a lot of time and space for these things to accumulate so it it only makes sense i think when i was learning um when i first started herbal school someone mentioned that oftentimes you know sort of being able to deal with any any sort of health issue that oftentimes it may take even longer to work through something than it did to get there in the first place so you know if people have years of something that they've been through that's attributed or contributed to a particular situation it may take just as long to unravel that because mm -hmm. there's been so much energy and effort and time and building it up. Um, and that it could be that way with walls that we create for ourselves or self-imposed obstacles, or just not, not listening to our inner knowing, like you said. And so I think it's, you know, of course it makes sense that it would have some lessons for you and your own program, but also it's just such a, a testimony to the power of, of that practice and of those teachings, because, you know, none of us, if we're still here on earth, we still have work to do mm -hmm. as Absolutely. far as I'm concerned. So, yeah. yes. um, you know, and I've actually heard just talking about different healing modalities and plant medicine circles. Someone once, I don't remember if it was on a podcast or if somebody said it to me directly, but they mentioned that they had found breath work or what they were referring to as shamanic breath work. Um, as potent or powerful or healing as actually journeying with ayahuasca medicine. So knowing that you work with both of these healing modalities, I wonder what your perspective would be um, on that topic. Yeah, um, I do feel like they are both, there are definitely some similarities and definitely, I feel like they're both really powerful. Um, and very compatible in my opinion um so yeah it's it's been fascinating to explore um breath work because and to see the similarities and and things with it since i'm really familiar with ayahuasca um so i would say my opinion and of course like this is just my perspective because everyone else might have mm -hmm. something different but um my my perspective is that they're really compatible and similar in some ways where they're really good at excavating really good at releasing um deep heavy some and like having a somatic experience um for me i i see ayahuasca as coming in like a big bulldozer and just you know bringing up unearthing so much like you know boom like this huge excavation and then the breath work to me feels like more if you're doing it in conjunction like you know in our retreats we do ceremonies and then the next day we'll do a breath work um mm -hmm. or do the breath work before ceremony and so it helps to just kind of to me the breath work helps to smooth out and kind of 
it's almost like water and it helps to flush out or cleanse maybe what the you couldn't do in ceremony with the medicine. Um, but they definitely are both really powerful. Um, breathwork also unlock, unlocks our DMT. So, you know, the medicine is, um, ayahuasca is DMT. So that's why we can go on these shamanic journeys in breathwork. Um, but yeah, like for me, I, it, the what, and of course, like some practical things like breathwork you can do like any, you know, accessible to everyone anytime, really, as long as they're breathing and alive. Um, you don't have to diet and prepare and, mm -hmm. you know, and you have some control over it where, you know, with ayahuasca, you have to diet, prepare, really get focused and humbled and then, like, and then she will take you on whatever journey uh, you need, not what you want. Right. And so, uh, <laughs> and there's very little control. So, um, so, you know, there's differences like that, but I do, I do think there are similarities. I do agree with that. Like they can, they can really be comparable and, and also really compatible. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, they're, they're my two favorite tools right now. Hmm. Thank you for that perspective. And it, it makes sense to me, especially as you're talking about it, that they would work well in tandem uh, with one another, like you're saying. And I could almost, and this may be how you work with it too, but it also seems like the breath work could potentially be a, a really great tool for integration after people sit with different medicines too, to like you said, maybe if there's remaining debris or things that weren't able to be worked with during ceremony, then they can come back to the breathwork piece and yeah. sort of maybe just straighten things up a little bit more or clear things out or whatever the case may be, depending on the situation and the person. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we always tell people ayahuasca is not a magic pill. Like you're still going to have to do your homework. Um, and I always say she's very magical, um, but you still have to do your work. You're still going to have to learn the lessons. You're still going to have to look at yourself every day in the mirror. And so breath work is a great tool that you can use every day for seven to 30 minutes a day if you wanted. And so like those people that do an ayahuasca retreat, then they can incorporate that daily practice of breath work to like integrate, to smooth out, to, you know, yeah, excavate a little bit more. And so yeah, that's exactly you summed it up. Mm -hmm. And so I, I feel like the moral of the story here is that it's really important that people realize that there actually isn't a magic pill. I know in herbalism, a lot of people, they're like, well, what do you take for this? What can I, you know, I have this going on. So what plant is going to make that all go away for me? And it's like, well, that I don't have that answer. You know, it might exist, but more likely than not, it's a whole lot more complicated than just this for that sort of situation. And I think we've bumped, kind of become accustomed to that in our culture and in this, I guess what's really called the allopathic mindset where it's, you know, you take X for Y and then you have Z as your outcome or whatever. And it's, it's just not that cut and dry pretty much ever. As far as I can tell, um, no matter what herbs we take, no matter what doctor we go to, no matter what healing ceremonies we take part in, there's always the inner work that has to be done. And yeah. until that's really addressed, nothing is really going to shift completely. We may notice little shifts here and there, and that's wonderful. But until we can really fully put ourselves into the work and, and that piece of it, I think that um, 
a lot of times we won't see the results that we're looking for because there's there's not a magic pill and and there's always the human component and and we have to be aware of that and just be willing to to go there if we really do want to see bigger shifts in our lives yeah and also just seeing that life is literally a journey like you're hiking through the mountains you're going up and down all around it's good days bad days good weather bad weather um all kinds of feelings you can feel everything in one day and and that and it's like this thing like i think many of us as children also were told like if you follow the golden rule everything will work out for you if you follow the ten commandments everything will work out for you if you're a good person everything will work out for you and it's just not true like um we're going to experience everything in life there are some things our soul has signed up for to experience that are going to be incredibly challenging and hard and horrible but we're we are going through that experience to learn and to grow and and to evolve and so we think that we have to you know push away and shun ourselves from these heartbreaking experiences but that's literally the heart of life is to mm. is to go through those things and you know it's like we don't just go put a pretty bow on top and you know xyz all done complete we're everything's great no it's like you know i mean for me my sister's suicide was a beautiful example of that where it was tragic it was horrible she was 40 years old and it and there was no way to go around it it's like you know we want to sidestep all these painful things totally makes sense because it's painful but if we open up and embrace it and let our hearts break, let it permeate every cell in our body, cry as long as you need to cry, let the waves of grief, let the waves of life take you, then it's it's a beautiful painting we create, a beautiful creation. So, I mean, I just think that we we want to avoid pain at every cost, but that's just part of life. And hardship challenge is part of life. And you have not done anything wrong if you have challenges. You have not failed. Mistakes are part of life. And, you know, of course, take responsibility for your mistakes. Of course, you know, um, say you're sorry when you need to and, and, and make amends and all the things. But it's just this like concept that we're going to have this perfect, beautiful Instagram life that is never bad. And it's just like, it's just not true. And so I just think that if people, we all accept that on a deep level, like, yeah, sometimes we're going to gain 50 pounds in a pandemic. Yep, that happened. <laughs> yep. you know? So it's just like, okay, so yeah, that's okay. We're, you know, that's life. It's okay. Right. And the more that we're able to have these safe places and spaces to experience all of the these aspects of not only ourselves, but our lives and the world around us and the human experience in general, um, then I think we're able to live even more rich experiences once once we can really because that's the full experience, right? Like everything that you're talking about um, and, and what you said before about just creating these spaces to be able to feel all these things, because if we don't, then we're not having the full experience and that's what we're here for in some exactly. way, shape or form. So yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. I mean, who like really, we don't want an anesthetized, like sugar coated, numb existence. We really don't want that. I mean, we may think we want it. We may try to do that numbing and all that, but we really don't want it. You know, we really, our souls really want to live a free and open and wild life. You know, I really believe we do want that, but it's, yeah, we've, we just kind of, we let fear dictate so much. So. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Ah, I love this conversation so much. Thank you. And I think that it's even more pertinent in these times that we're living through um, because there is sort of this dichotomy um, arising of, of like, am I going to just really full on live my life now? Or am I going to stay in this place of fear? Um, you know, and I think that we all have our own fears around everything that's come up over the past year and a half. There's obviously been the fear that's been sort of broadcasted. There's the fear of the collective. And so to me, it almost feels like we're, we're at this this precipice, this point in time where that's the decision that a lot of us are facing. Am I going to fully authentically live my life and find out who I am and be that person? Or am I just going to stay inside and just like not even look at all that because there's so much going on that I just, I can't. And, and it's not like, it's an easy decision, right? Um, there's so many factors that go into that. Um, but I think now more than ever, for people who are looking at that decision and trying to decide what their next steps are, that it's really encouraging to know that there are practices like this, um, that there's breath work and that there's different plants that people can work with that can really facilitate these healing processes within ourselves um, so that we can continue forward living authentically and living a rich life and you know, for some of us, if we have a legacy that we want to leave behind, or if we have, um, a, you know, a service project or, or heart work that we want to do in this world, um, that now now's our chance, you know, more than ever. And so I really appreciate you sharing all of this amazing information and sharing the work that you do in the world. And I know that many people have already um, had wonderful experiences with you and your offerings. And hopefully um, people listening to this podcast will be more interested as well. And so if people want to learn more about the different classes that you're offering and the breathwork sessions, um, I know that you're down in Peru, but you're doing a lot of virtual work now, like you mentioned. Um, what's a good way for people to connect with you? Yeah. So um, my website is one of the best ways. It's um, my name, Denise F as in Francis Cooper.com. And then I'm also on um, Instagram, also with the same handle, Denise F Cooper. And I'm still on Facebook. We'll see. I feel like Facebook might be <laughs> out. So, um, yeah. So those are the three primary ways to find me. And we have a new moon and full moon breath work every month. And so people can sign up for those. They're just $25 and you can get a replay. So if you can't make it live, then you can always watch the replay. You can download and keep the replay forever. So, um, awesome. yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Denise. Before we wrap up today, I have one more question for you. And this is a question that I ask all of my guests when I remember to. And that is, what is nourishing you right now on any level? Yeah, um, I would say 
the biggest thing nourishing me is just being um, back home in the mountains in the sacred valley in peru um nature uh is the thing that nourishes me the most mother earth um so i yeah that that seems to be the biggest thing right now is to just lay on the earth and mm. ground and just feel her and in you know watch the clouds move or just tune in you know like really dipping below the static of my mind of the energy of the planet of the worry and the fear and you know dipping below that and just going deep within to that stillness and so that's that is what is regenerating me and it's something that is um coming back online because it was pretty disconnected through this pandemic so hmm. yeah Thank you for sharing that. I, it's funny because everyone that I ask inevitably, whatever their answer is, it almost always has something to do with nature. And I think that that's such an important um, thing to realize and to witness is that our connection to the world around us, it's where we come from. It's where we'll go back to. And so if we're not connecting with nature and the world around us on a regular basis, we're going to feel disconnected, like literally, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I went out, um, we have some creeks where I live and I went out yesterday and I literally just sat with my feet in the water for about 15 minutes. And I felt like a whole new person. Mm -hmm. It just, you know, just being in the cold mountain water, first of all, is jolting to begin with. And then you, you know, sort of relax into it. And, and it was sort of like what we're talking about. I was able to just feel like I was letting go of things that I had been holding on to. And especially for me, water really helps to facilitate that water is a really powerful element um, yeah. that I work with in that way. And so um, I love just hearing your, your experience with that and, and that it's literally grounding for you too, and that it's a, a beautiful practice. And I'm so grateful for our conversation today. I really appreciate you taking the time and it's always wonderful to connect with people in Peru. And I'm super excited to finally be going back after having to take a year off. Um, so I'll be headed back down this fall and hopefully we can meet up in person then. I would yeah. love that. Yeah, I do not plan on leaving Peru in 2021. <laughs> Since I got locked out for nine months, I'm like, no, I'm gonna wait. Just and stay so, put. Yeah, so, so I sh should definitely be here in November when you come. And I, yeah, would love to meet you in person. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Denise. It's really been a pleasure chatting with you today and I look forward to meeting you soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. Thank you for listening to Sage and Spirit. You can download more episodes and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple or Google podcasts. For more show notes and guest information, visit dancingsagewellness.com. Until next time, take care and be well.